0: you're listening to young grognard a dungeons and dragons podcast a haven for all things dirty and dungeonous. enjoy Gonna give a warm tavern. Hello. I got something to say. Y'all pull up a mug, take a glug, watch out for that lug. Uh, mind the rug. It might be a rug that gives a hug. It's a rug of, of smothering. It is a dangerous rug. I am the grognard, the young, the young grognard, and I'm coming at you with Sarah. We're talking today a little a podcast, a cast, if you will. Sarah, say hi. Hello. All right, that's good enough. Um, a little podcast. Uh, I'm going to be in something of a new gaming group. Uh, I'm kind of coming together with a few different people. I'm trying to come up with a good way of running this new group. I'm going to be using the old school essential rules for it. Um, I'm really excited for, for those rules, but, uh, the thing is, is whenever I start a new campaign, uh, I try to come up with something of a new setting, which itself is kind of a loaded term, but. Uh, Sarah is pretty new to world building I've built quite a few different worlds or like small sections of worlds yada 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 I kinda really love the process and there's really no right way to do it but what I'd like to do for the next few podcast episodes is to go through this hashtag my 30 day world uh 2018 which you know now in 2020 as of the date of the podcast is a long time ago but it's still a really great little world builder and anybody out there who wants to actually look this up and maybe use it for their own inspiration for building their own world you really just gotta google 30 day world and it'll pop right up but anyway um yeah uh It was brought to us by A Dead Man's Guide to Dragon Grin, which was on Kickstarter. I'm guessing that it's long since been funded or or whatever ended up happening to it. I mean, honestly, I only found it because somebody shared it with me on Twitter, but in the end, uh, there's 30 different questions or 30 different little bits that are supposed to get your mind going on how to create your own campaign setting, so... Uh, Sarah, I know, has run... How many games? One? One. one. Game? You've run one? Game. Yep. The elusive
1: second <laughs> session um, curse has hit me.
0: Well, uh, in that case, you should be perfect for telling us how to make an entire world yeah. uh, through a 30-bullet 30, 30 point system. But uh, I <laughs> think that this would make for a really cool section of the podcast to do just a few episodes where we touch on a few of these questions at a time, and in the end... Uh, drum up something of our own world now following through with this the first question on here is what is a 30 second elevator pitch for your world now the problem is is that I'm coming to this kind of cold I want every episode to feel like I'm I'm doing the building process. What I found is that, one one of my favorite things to listen to when people do their like DMing stuff or talk about d d on the internet or on YouTube or, or wherever it is that they're talking about it. I love watching people's process and I love listening to people talk about their process because it helps drum up my own ideas. I can listen to somebody talk about their own stuff and that'll help drum up creation uh, creativity but there's just something kind of beautiful about listening to the live process. And obviously we're all going to have the same couple of fantasy and creativity licks that we kind of harp on, but I think it's always neat to hear, like, ideas come about, and me and me and Ryan have done that quite a few times on the podcast. Uh, shout out to Ryan, I hate you, you, uh, you, you stink, bro, but also, miss you. Um, uh, but anyway, um, so I think that moving into this, I'm not going to be able to do the first question, because it says a 30-second elevator pitch for the world, and I just, I don't have a world to make an elevator pitch for, but I think that would make for a really great ending wrap-up episode to kind of talk about how to make an elevator pitch for a world, and talk about how you can kind of generalize an entire campaign, because it's hard to do so without just picking out a couple of different select factors. Like, how do you how do you summarize the Eberron campaign setting, other than being so brutally vague that people still don't exactly know what's going on? You know what I mean? And so for that reason, I want to hold off on that one. And in the same way, the second question is, what is the name of your world, and why is it called this? Um, Sarah, overall, are you familiar at all with many campaign settings, or I guess the difference between a campaign and a campaign setting? Do these terms elude you in any way?
1: I mean, I don't really... I have one campaign setting, and that's the Forgotten Realms (laughs) that I know of. (laughs) So, very limited.
0: Because... Yeah, you know, and there's this really great guy. If I can do my plug this early in the episode, I'm already going. If I haven't already plugged this Thirty Day World thing, but there's this great uh, person on the internet who writes tons and tons of these little essays, and they uh, have a blog. But it's the Angry GM. And they're brilliant. They have such like a such a, a attitude towards the game, but they have so much to talk about. And honestly, the writing is absolutely brilliant for what it is, but it's easy to read. It's really engaging. I literally today, when I was reading through some stuff, getting ready to record an episode, I could not put my phone down when I was reading his stuff. But in any case, uh he he had an interesting discussion about how campaigns have changed in their definitions. And obviously he's got a whole thing that I'm gonna summarize into like two sentences. So it's gonna be terrible, but here we go. But a campaign originally started as like a military campaign and the term existed with military game, uh, or like, sorry, war game uh, uh, definitions. So people would talk about military campaigns as part of like larger existing war games. You know what I mean? And then over time, D&D fans who are also war gamers were the same people who started using the term. So they usually meant something more Tolkien-esque and talking about long-winded, exceptional storylines with one flowing narrative. But over time, and because of the the hobby becoming sort of a disjointed and sort of a 100 definitions for one concept kind of game, campaigns taken on a lot of different meanings. But just for the sake of semantics and nailing down what I mean when I say I'm making a campaign setting right now by defining the world, The term campaign setting and world are going to be virtually synonymous in this. But when we're talking about a campaign setting, I mean, we're basically talking about, I mean, the world, how everything functions. I know a lot of people will talk about campaign settings and they'll just describe one city and that's fine. I know a lot of people who do that, but I don't think that's the whole setting. I think that that's an element of a campaign setting and that's fine. If you want to just run a game that takes place in, I don't know, on the Sword Coast. Like, that's not the whole campaign setting, you know? That takes place in the Forgotten Realms, but that's not the whole campaign setting. So it's fine if that's where your campaign takes place, but your setting is much bigger than that. It doesn't have to be, but it's just anything you'd consider to be that backdrop. So with all things considered, Sarah, um, if you were to name a campaign setting or, or like a campaign setting sort of sticks out to you, like, does the Forgotten Realms have a name to it that kind of speaks to you or do you feel like it's just kind of a name
1: it's just a name
0: because personally when i when i think about naming these things i always try to like engage my inner nerd and try to like get really deep on like the cheesy super over the top stuff you know what i mean like mystic rhymes of the dead bard society. And, like something that's kind of way over the top because there's something beautiful about Like, I don't know, having this long-winded and flowing name for a campaign setting. It just feels to me like it's artistic enough, you know what I mean, that it just kind of breathes life into it and kind of already gives you your elevator pitch without saying much. The Forgotten Realms, the name alone, tells you that it's like, I don't know, a place with... Realms And people don't, I always think of Mortal Kombat when I think of realms. So I think of this place that's got a lot of very well-defined features, but things that are very different depending on which area you're in. So it already tells you, I don't know, I think a campaign settings name is very important. And that's why I kind of want to hold off on that right now until something really comes to mind. But I guess starting off, since this is the first episode of this series, I do want to try to come up with some general outlines for what we could do if we're spitballing here with what would make for a good campaign setting. And I think the first thing you have to nail down is overall atmosphere and mood. And so, I don't know. Sarah, I know your gaming experience is kind of limited in comparison to like how long I've been playing the game, but with the experience that you've had as a player or in video games, RPGs, anything at all in general, is there a specific kind of atmosphere or mood that sticks out to you? And, and there is a right and a wrong answer, because for this to <laughs> proceed any further, I mean, it's called the Young Rognard Podcast, not the Sarah Podcast. So if you say the wrong one, I'm just going to nod my head just and say, and yeah, I'm going to say that's a great idea and be like, so anyway, here we go on our sword and sorcery.
1: I mean, obviously you don't want the, everything in the world shouldn't be happy and hunky-dory because then there's no real, I don't know, substance for the players to dig their claws into. Well, right. So um, in that vein, a world that has some sort of chaos, some sort of... Disarray. Um, perhaps there is political unrest, or there's unrest among the people, you know, there's dissent, or there's food shortages, or any kind of thing like that that causes some kind of discord between the people, I suppose.
0: So with that in mind because i think that if you were to come up with a campaign setting that was all hunky dory i do think that i agree with you that it does feel like that doesn't do much but i don't know and maybe this is just me not knowing enough about the forgotten realms and i don't think that i have enough of a fan base to have fanboys attack me for saying this but i think the forgotten realms is a perfectly good example of a place that is relatively hunky dory the only thing that makes it not hunky dory is Every general region has its fair share of bad guys, and then something terrible happens. Like, I think the Time of Troubles is the one big one that people know about, where magic stopped functioning properly for a while, and everything had to kind of get rewritten. Salvatore does a good job with that one, but... In any case, then you have other campaign settings like the uh, Dark Sun, where you have the world of Athos, I believe. But Athos is a crazy world when you think about how many things are different. Where you think about, like, I don't know, there's sorcerer kings who control all the magic in the world. There's a shortage of metals, and so, but like, the plants have pretty much all receded. The gods have left because they don't think that people are pious enough. All the water's gone. It's just like this giant barbaric desert planetscape where magic doesn't work. And you have got these big massive cities where steel is worth more than gold it's just a place that's so flavorful and so rich and there's so much terrible stuff that goes on it's like there's slavery everywhere there's total brutality everywhere it's just this world with so much to do and so much to be done but at the end of the day i almost feel like that's something of a problem in itself because when the world is so defined and so flavored like that it feels like there's so little you can do. Maybe it's just because I've been watching so much of the Food Network lately, but if you imagine taking something that's so specific, some food that's so unbelievably defined by what it is, and then somebody asks you to take your own spin on it, it's just really hard to imagine how you would like change that and make it your own. You know. And so for that reason, I feel like if I was to run a Dark Sun game, I would have a lot of trouble because... All I would be doing is just trying to emulate the flavor of what's already come before me. And I think a lot of the beauty of playing a cliche campaign setting or a Forgotten Realms kind of campaign setting is that... Like, you know the general vibe. You know the gist. You know what you're supposed to be doing for the overall, like, atmosphere and stuff. But there's still so much flexibility to it because they haven't nailed everything down that you can make it however you want to. If you want to make it war-torn, it's not that hard. If you want to make it the time of troubles, it's not that hard. If you want to take a, a certain region like the jun- uh, the jungles of of Cholt or you want to go up to the frozen north, like these places are all here. You understand what they're going to be like and it's just easier to do it. So if I'm designing a campaign world, I completely agree. There needs to be some texture. There needs to be something that stands out. This is why an elevator pitch makes sense for a campaign setting is because you need to alarm the people of what sets this out and sets it differently than everything that's come before it and why this one is the one that's worth sitting down at the table and playing with. Which one gets your players salivating? You know what I mean? Like what's the what's the catch that makes this world different and more fun than the rest of them? So I guess when I ask about mood, since we're agreeing that there's sort of just a general assumption that there's gonna be troubles, what would be the overall mood though? Are we talking like, dark and gritty. I know some people love dark and gritty. I know some people love that kind of stuff, that dark dungeon delve stuff where, you know, there's very little healing magic. The world is brutal. Orcs don't just kill people. They take you back as a slave and they maim you and send you home. You know, there's a lot of wicked dark themes. And then there's the other side of the fence, which is when people play in a campaign setting, that's just super goofy and super lax and you have people named Nub Nub and like Poopy Doop and it's just... I don't know. Like that that's a thing a lot of people love. Some people love the comedy of it. You know, I think about Acquisitions Incorporated being a perfect example of a group that can take The Forgotten Realms and make it into something kind of kooky and silly while also retaining its general sense of seriousness, you know? So I guess I would say like overall mood and atmosphere, like what sticks out for you? Like what's what's the one that you would want to sit down at the table and play?
1: Um I think for me, I don't think I'd want to go dark, personally. Um, I don't know if that would really, as a player, excite me. I think for me, as a player, the most interesting moments is, you know, like, it's curiosity-driven. Like, if it's if you have an ancient civilization that has always been, you know, a strong part of the world and has been, had ties to several kingdoms and realms across the globe or whatever, um, and that civilization has fallen off or dwindled or there are only remnants of it seen around the area, that to me as a player is something that I would really think, well that's kind of neat, I'd like to learn more about that and really kind of, you know, like I said earlier, dig my claws into it, my character would really be um, driven by the story and wanting to find out that kind of solution, so something like that. I feel like a dark and desolate world for me would be a little bit hopeless. And I think that could be neat for a campaign, but for something that I would really, really enjoy I don't think is something up my alley. I'd rather have something that has more intrigue and mystery and kind of puzzles and problems that i can figure out
0: yeah and that's that's honestly why a lot of people turn to something like eberron which has been described at times like western meets noir styled fantasy with some steampunk and tons of criminal political organizations and crime families and syndicates and all this good stuff with intrigue everywhere and then you've got the other side of the fence which is like you were talking about with you wouldn't want to play something super dark and gritty and that's why a lot of people stayed kind of far away from ravenloft because the ravenloft campaign setting which some people argue is not even a full setting but that anyway the point is is that it's dark and it's gritty and it's like this gothic horror fantasy styled thing but so many people talk about how when they finish playing it they just kind of feel so drab and dreary that they just like don't want to I don't know it's just like listening to too much black sabbath like you just you want some sunshine in your life after that. So I think playing off of what you said about the idea that there's like onion layers to peel back on this world that there's almost it's been lived in there's a history there's stuff there that can be uncovered rather than it being just kind of like this fresh world where everybody knows everything I think a lot of times the way that you can get that kind of thing is to have a world that sort of I don't want to say it has kind of a dark and scarred history to it. You know what I mean? Something that had some catastrophic event. Like, if the world was brought to its knees and brought to an ending, and then the people in your party are members of a new population of the world like it's been centuries it's been millennia since that terrible happening but people are still kind of picking up the pieces and nobody really knows for certain what happened people love that kind of stuff and i'm not gonna lie i kind of feel like that's been done before so many times that it just kind of feels like you almost expect it sitting Mm. down at the table like okay what was the great cataclysm that happened in this world like when was the last time the gods came down and gave a spanking to all the bad children of the world you know Mm mm-hmm So personally, if I'm writing a game, I love just typical sword and sorcery. I know some people can't stand that, and they say it's so vanilla. I mean, I just did an episode, the last episode, on how to make interesting changes to character races and stuff, and to make them have different sort of, I don't know, playability. So I think that if you do sword and sorcery, but you make that kind of a change, I think that it can play out really well and be really neat. And... Yeah. So, I mean, I think that our two ideas aren't too far away from each other. The idea of having sort of a world with a lot of intrigue and a lot of inner goings on and having it be sword and sorcery works out pretty well. I know that a lot of times the way to define your level of sword and sorcery is to talk about levels of magic. And that's why you can have worlds like, I don't know, uh, from Game of Thrones, you can have a world with like very low magic but a real grit to it, you know what I mean? But it still feels like a fantasy world. There's enough there to remind you of where you are, but there's so little magic that it feels like it's still humanity doing its best to get by, you know what I mean? And then you have things like uh, the Lord Lord of the Rings, the Tolkien's universe there, where much in the same, there's a lot of magic all over the place, but it's still so mystifying and strange that, you know what I mean? There's something to be said about how, like, it's still impressive when it happens and awe-inspiring. But then you get other worlds where magic is sort of everywhere. I, again, I'm not going to call out Eberron and say that they do have magic everywhere, but when you've got magic trains that shoot across the land, like, I, I don't know. There's a level of magic there that's very much different than Gandalf shooting fucking a light spell and, and scaring away goblins. You know what I mean? Um, so, personally, I think the next most important thing, which... I, Yeah, I know it's a question for later on, but I do want to say that overall, I think the magic in this world should be sort of moderate, leaning towards low magic, in my opinion. I think it should be a world where magic is scarce, especially because I'm playing an older edition when I'm writing this. Old school D&D is not like your fifth edition games where there's magic items all over the place. and Well, I guess more like 3.5 where magic items are all over the place. 5th edition is kind of scarce with its magic items because of the whole attunement system and the action economy making it important to calculate how many of these things you got. I do think that there's something to be said about how a magic item should feel like a stupendous thing that like when you find it, it's like, I don't know, there's reason at the table to say, oh, fuck, like, oh, shit a magic flaming sword like you should be pumped about it and not looking at it and be like well this one's a d6 plus one whereas the other one is a d4 plus two so i guess i'd probably prefer having a higher like that ruins the game for me it should feel so badass that you're almost willing to get rid of the higher damage quotient because it just feels cool you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and that's why i love sword and sorcery is because i don't know it feels like the most important bits of the of the uh the world flavor comes from the idea that it's a magic world with people living in it just trying to do their best to get by overall do i like grimdark like no not particularly because i just feel like it's kind of hard to run that and have fun with it if your party's down for it more power to you but again the black sabbath thing like you just you listen to too much black sabbath you're gonna get sad you play too much grimdark fantasy you're gonna want a refresher some people fucking live for it and some people just absolutely adore grimdark but i've just i've read too many things online and too many forums where people playing grimdark will have themes like you know trigger words here but like themes like rape and incest and and like all these terrible things that come up and they defend it by saying it's a dark world and that's what happens and I just, I don't know, personally I'm not sold on it I feel like there's some level of discomfort where even if I'm a heroic character it still feels like I'm in a world with a losing battle and I'm not going to do much change so it just feels like, I don't know it's just kind of overbearing at times but with all that in mind I think we're ready to go on to our next step in this whole describing process. And I think in the case of this podcast, I might have to start breaking these episodes up a bit. So let this be considered sort of the preamble episode, and we'll start off fresh and start going into the actual questions for the next one. So without further ado, uh, I guess we should probably give one quick summarizing point because I feel like I kind of <laughs> floundered around here for a bit. But So, Sarah, if you would be so kind as to tell me uh, what... What would you say if you had to give kind of like the description of overall, I don't know, theme that you want to get across here, whether it be like, you know, a blend of sword and sorcery or, or high fantasy or like grimdark or, or whatever, noir, like any of these little literary terms, anything you'd want to get across, like what is your ideal that you want to move forward and describe this with?
1: Um... I mean...
0: Grimdark! Grimdark! (laughs) Grimdark!
1: Yes, yes, everything is darkness and unhappy. Um, Alright, see you later, buddy! And signing off on that note. Um, Well, so, I I like the idea of intrigue, but I also think sword and sorcery is a good place to start because I think a lot of players, or at least, you know, maybe this is a generalization, but I think a lot of players, even if they're looking for something really over the top or, I don't know... Um, I think Sword and Sorcery is kind of neat. It's it's what D and D is about at its heart. I think um, yeah, it's the system's you know.
0: based built uh, best built to handle that theme. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why Ravenloft had to get its own books. Is because Eberron needs its own books. Is because D and D's built to be, you know, that classic fantasy vibe. So I agree with you.
1: Yeah, and I think that's I think for me that's really fun. Like I know a lot of the like previous um, campaigns I've been a part of. They've been, um, fifth edition, which is, you know, prone to the murder hobo phrase. So for me, I think, um, a world that would be really interesting to me would be a sword and sorcery world, one that's really, you know, D&D, that's bones. It's about like role playing and the world that you're in. It's not about just running in with a javelin and throwing it at someone's face and killing them as quickly as possible and things like that. It's about, you know, the magic of the world and the story of the different races and things like that. Um, but that's where the intrigue comes in for me where i think it's kind of neat if there's
0: well I, not to cut you off but i think i can really summarize this on a good note and i think that <laughs> like and i think that i can take what you're saying summarize it in a really beautiful way is that i want to create a campaign setting where people would want to play character race class ethnicity whatever combos that make the concept of role-playing way more exciting than anything numbers-oriented. Yes. And that's why I think of things like Vampire the Masquerade, where it's, like, the different families, and it's, like, it's just so exciting to think, like, depending on which bloodline you come from, you have completely different powers, and it impacts the world you're in because of it. So I just like the idea that, like, I don't think anybody's ever played Vampire the Masquerade for numbers. I think everybody just loves to role-play. And in the same regard, I would want to make this campaign setting feel like the kind of world that people don't want to play because they have a cool idea for a character class combo, and instead they're just like, oh, wow. The, the I don't know, the barbarians from the Highland of Fogvale, they just sound so neat. I want to play those guys. You know what I mean? Whatever. I, I just want to write a game that's got a deep enough intrigue that you feel like you're pulled into a world with enough of a living, breathing history, but one that's got a nice balance of grit while still retaining its high sorcery roots and just feeling like, I don't know, that role-playing, it just, it beckons for it. It's not a sandboxy kind of Forgotten Realms world where you just kind of fart out a character that you think would be kind of neat. I want everything to feel flavorful and rich and to feel like there's enough of a history that picking to play a dwarf could be a curse and a blessing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, with that, unless you disagree. No, I agree. Yeah, all right. Well, good. <laughs> great. You. great, ins- great. You know okay well anyway uh on that note i'm signing off (laughs) i am grognard the young the young grognard uh dms out there uh be good to your players appreciate your players and players appreciate your dms sir do you have anything to say Um, no no. okay well that's great Yeah, now we don't have any Sabrina the Teenage Witch to talk about, huh? There's not a new season, so there's no oh, new look content that. to talk about. Well, the listeners have spoken. And this <laughs> one goes out to Ryan. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's a great it. show. And I hate you, Ryan. Yeah, you have terrible You know opinions. what, Ryan? And I bet you won't even... Li- no, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope to have Ryan back on the show soon. I know he loves this kind of stuff. But anyway, anybody out there who wants to talk about this, anybody who wants to share any of the content, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I've got the YGrogNard. Uh, is my handle there, and I'm going to be tweeting about this thing, and I'm going to be trying to tweet about each and every part of it, so if you want anything to do with this podcast, if you want to have any suggestions, anything you want to talk about, I would love to engage with anybody out there about this stuff. I love when I get my opportunities to do so, but yeah. Sarah, do you have any plugs?
1: Um, no, I don't. <laughs> um, I only listen to your podcast. I could plug Old Man Grodnard, because, you that's, know... That's so... <laughs>
0: because so that's what don't... you do every don't... episode oh, good god in heaven well anyway apart from that shameless plug for myself i'm i'm currently handing sarah 20 bucks right now for a plug on my own podcast for my own podcast yeah if you're already here i don't imagine you need to be replugged back into it so anyway on that lovely note goodbye
1: goodbye